If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. We have the technology to build a more sustainable world. I mean, we've had this technology for a while. We have solar and wind. We know how to electrify our systems. What we need is transformative policy. We need policy in order to unleash the power and knowledge of our engineers. Given that many young people today are already so passionate about sustainability, how can we better engage them in this movement and empower them to begin contributing their unique perspectives and talents? How does engineering tie into this picture of sustainability and how can engineers best apply their backgrounds and unique skill set to help us further advance our progress for a healthier future? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To check out our limited 2019 Green Dreamer planners created to holistically support all that you do this year, just head to greendreamer.com. Your purchase will also support the planting of 50 trees and the continued production of Green Dreamer, so thank you so much if you get to find something that you love. More on this later along with a discount code just for you, but for now, to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the Executive Director of Engineers for a Sustainable World, a nonprofit organization with chapters established at universities all over the United States. Their ESW members have worked on such a wide variety of projects, including building a self-contained living unit and design studio for mobile deployment in disaster relief areas, creating a prototype of an affordable solar-powered lamp for citizens of Haiti, and bringing accessible therapeutic gardening to the care center in Buffalo, New York, which enabled residents with disabilities to grow their own plants. Green Dreamer starting off with what inspired her passion for the environment. Here is Brittany Bennett. So I have a weird path to sustainability. I grew up with very limited financial means. I grew up in poverty, which meant that we did things that were good for the environment without actually calling it sustainability. We 
did things like limited using our washer and dryer that often. We only turned the lights on when we needed them. We didn't use any paper towels. We used rags. And when I got to high school, I realized that all the things that we were already doing to save money were actually having an impact in the world. They were working to build a more sustainable world. And I wanted more. I wanted to have a bigger impact. So I began researching sustainability. I began researching environmental justice. But I didn't have an opportunity to get my hands dirty with it until I discovered ESW in college. And then I realized I could actually have a career in sustainability. So what sparked your interest in engineering to begin with? Because it sounds like you had been interested in sustainability already um, and then decided to pursue engineering, or was it the other way around? It was definitely the sustainability first and the engineering second. So I've always been kind of a nerd. I love math and science. (laughs) And when I was originally looking to go to college, I thought that I would pursue physics. But I very quickly realized that physics would mean that I would be locked away at some university's basement, (laughs) writing white papers, you know, not really connecting with the real world. And what I love about engineering, at least engineering in the modern day, is that we talk about it as using math and science for the benefit of humanity. So engineering isn't just math. It isn't just science. It's actually applying these quantitative tools to building a better world. And that's why I fell in love with engineering in the first place. So for those who are unfamiliar, how would engineering tie into the picture of building a sustainable future? It sounds like quite literally this is necessary for us. It is. So engineers are uniquely positioned to tackle these grand environmental challenges. Engineers are professional problem solvers. I mean, we go to college and we learn math and science and thermodynamics and circuits. And so we're trained in these quantitative methods in order to solve problems. And there are no shortage of problems out there. I mean, you look at the world and you see climate change and our reliance on fossil fuels and plastics in our oceans and the need to build a more resilient food system. So what my organization does, Engineers for a Sustainable World, is we connect these technical problem solvers with communities. So communities might have unique knowledge about their local issues. A local nonprofit might know something like whether there is an ongoing pollution problem in their rivers or where a solar charging station might be most needed or who most needs access to fresh local food in their community. So what we do is we pair these people who know how to solve problems with problems that need to be solved and we build more sustainable communities that way. Can you share one of the most impactful projects you guys have done just to give us an idea? So we're seeing some like amazing innovation from our ESW members. We're constantly working on at least 100 projects at any given time. And our students are working on real-world solutions to real-world problems. So our members at UC Irvine, they wanted to address some of the waste that was happening on campus. So their design was of a smart trash can. Their trash can can digitally display the amount of trash that's thrown in it, and it's equivalent CO2 emissions. And then we have students at CSU Long Beach who were inspired to take action from all of the natural disasters that hit last year. And they actually designed a solar water filter that could be deployed in disaster situations instead of using bottled water. 
As you said, engineers are really professional problem solvers. How do you think the problems that engineers have focused on changed over the years or over the decades? Yeah, so this generation of problem solvers, I would say millennials and Gen Zers have had to solve problems that no other generation has had to solve before. I mean, before, I would say in the 1980s, the 1990s, and even earlier, the traditional problems engineering we're working on were how to build bridges and how to build dams. And some of the best innovations we've come up with are cell phones, like technology, and all the great things we take for granted these days. But now we're starting to see a need for even bigger problem solving, especially around climate change. So the engineers that we're educating today, the engineers that we're training today, and the engineers that are just entering industry are in charge of solving some of these really big, messy challenges that just we've never even had to think of solving before. And how would you have to change your approach in looking at engineering in order to take on problems of this massive scale, like climate change? It has to be holistic. So personally, I got my engineering degree at Smith College, which is a women's college and a liberal arts college. So I didn't just go to school to learn the math and the science. I went to school to learn all about the humanities and sociology and some of the more softer skills needed to be an engineer. And I feel like those skills, those communication skills, that cultural competency are so vital and so critical to being an engineer. It's not enough to be able to solve a thermodynamics math problem. If you're going to be an engineer and you're going to be solving problems, Those problems don't exist in a vacuum. They interact with social systems, they interact with environmental systems, they interact with cultural systems, and engineers need to be trained in um, approaching problems holistically, which is exactly what ESW does. We provide our members with an opportunity to get their hands dirty and approach real-world problems that interact with real-world systems. Yeah. And are you guys doing this because you feel like education for engineering conventionally was more like very specialized and laser focused instead of being more holistic? Yeah, in part. So universities and colleges do a great job of teaching engineers the technical skills they need to know. So I'm not know I don't know if you're familiar, but there's this program called ABET, which is what accredits every engineering program out there. So we know that every ABET accredited engineering program is preparing our engineers to go off and go be engineers. But we find that that's just not enough and that students want more. They want to get their hands dirty as early as their first year. So Mm. what ESW does is we say, hey, if you're passionate about solar energy, go do a solar project. And then they're learning how to work with communities. They're learning how to make a budget. They're learning how to follow up on a project and do a sustainability plan, do a maintenance plan. ESW sort of fills that niche where if universities are providing them with quantitative tools, ESW is providing them with those professional development and softer skills that engineers need. And you mentioned that today, increasingly, the problems that engineers are trying to solve are more large scale. Would you say that that also means that the problems engineers are solving today are also more related to sustainability, like whether or not 
people were interested in this topic to begin with? It's just the problems that we face that we have to address? Yes, I would say that's very true, that many of these big problems that engineers are faced with these days are sustainability problems. And my go-to example here is climate change. I think climate change is exactly the kind of large, messy, big-scale, wicked problem (laughs) that engineers are partly responsible in helping to solve and are equipped to solve. And that's where we're most needed. Definitely. So engineering is a lot about using science and math to develop like economical and practical solutions to real life problems. So on the back end, having research and data are really important. And on the front end, practicality in terms of uh, commercial application to the real world is also really important. But what is the limiting factor here? So do you think we're more so being held back by limitations on the back end in terms of research, data, and technology? Or are we more so held back by the front end stuff? So like being able to have commercial viability of these solutions? We have the technology to build a more sustainable world. I mean, we've had this technology for a while. We have solar and wind. We know how to electrify our systems. What we need is transformative policy. We need policy in order to unleash the power and knowledge of our engineers. The challenges we're facing aren't purely technological. They're rooted in a deep need for a better environmental policy. And when I say this, I mean things like putting a price on carbon or solar incentives for individuals and communities or incentives for reducing the amount of waste that we produced. I'd love to see more engineers go into policy and take that quantitative skill set and apply it to policy problems. And I know that there are programs out there that um, do this, like Carnegie Mellon's Engineering and Public Policy PhD program. I mean, we're starting to see more engineers see that to create a more sustainable world, we need to be applying our skill set to policy. Right. So we do have all the information and know-how needed to build uh, greener products and greener machinery today, but we're currently being held back by, I guess, the lack of right incentives in place that's still encouraging not-so-green options. I would absolutely agree with that, yes. Yeah. And you mentioned, of course, having more engineers go into policy would be hugely impactful because they can bring this perspective into policy. Uh, what else do you think we can do as individuals to help make this happen? Yeah, as individuals, I think one of the best things that we can do is take part in collective action. I mean, yes, recycle, yes, compost, yes, try to limit the amount of meat that you eat. I mean, all of these things are necessary in terms of personal sustainability. But I would say that one of the greatest things that we can do is when we combine our power together to create collective action. And what does that look like? I think we're seeing it in ESW where we have our distributed network of engineers all across the country and all across the world who are working within teams in their colleges and in their professional chapters to create a more sustainable community. So it's not enough for just one engineer to step forward and say, well, I care about sustainability and I want to make a difference. What we're seeing is we have whole chapters that range from you know, 10 people to 200 people who were all working together to make their local communities more sustainable. And I think that's really inspiring. 
Well, for you, you've been working with mostly millennials and the younger generations. And Ashley also saw that you volunteered at uh, Society of Women Engineers, introducing girls to engineering as well. Um, I'm assuming because it's important for young girls to have role models and to be introduced to this concept in general, for them to feel like it could be a possible future direction for them. So what's been one of your personal greatest struggles as a millennial activist representing younger activists in a world uh, run by more senior people and also being a minority in a male-dominated space? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that my greatest struggle is that people still think that young people aren't qualified to make decisions, that they aren't qualified to lead or qualified to have an impact. And there are times when I meet someone for the first time and I introduce myself and say that I lead this international nonprofit that does sustainability work. And I don't think they realize just how big of an impact that we're having on the world because all they see is a young person. And it can honestly be a little disheartening at times, but I'm showing them that that's not true. You don't need to be a certain age to engineer change. And I don't need to ask anyone's permission to make the world a better place. And how do you get people to not judge you or the organization based on uh, you guys being skewed younger in age, but based on your merit and the things that you've actually done? By doing exactly that, they can sit there and judge me all day long based on how I look for being a woman, for being a queer woman, for being a disabled woman, any of those things. But at the end of the day, when I stand up on a stage or when I'm meeting somebody, when I'm talking to somebody from an engineering company, and I talk about the hundreds of projects that we've completed all over the world. I talk about how our engineers go off to work at some of the biggest and best companies out there. And I talk about how we really are building a better world. That is when they start to believe me. And that is when they realize that what we're doing is truly great. Yeah. And does this ever affect you on a personal level? And how do you, how do you get over that to not be affected by being judged by other people based on the superficial things? I remind myself that I have about 2,000 young engineers all looking up to me that I'm responsible to that believe in me and believe in us in doing this work. What do you think is the importance of having ideas and leadership from younger people, especially uh, in today's world? And also, of course, people who may be a minority in any given field. Absolutely. I think that young people absolutely need to start exercising their voice as early as possible. Because if you think about what the alternative is, if we say, oh, you're too young to make a difference, well, then at what point are you not too young? At what point are you considered capable of having a voice? And if that cutoff is 30, 35, I mean, what are you doing throughout your entire college years? What are you doing throughout your entire young adult life? Um, if we aren't allowed to start speaking up until we're older, we're wasting so much time and we're not we're not trying um, before we get we reach that you know green light. Um, in engineering, we have this phrase to fail fast to succeed sooner. And I take that to heart in ESW, which means you need to get your hands dirty and you need to start trying things quickly. And you can try something and it could fail, but that's okay because you've learned and you're going to try something else quickly and you're going to see if that works. And if that fails too, then you're learning. And it's this, it's this model of 
learning quickly so you can get to the right solution as fast as possible. And I think young people absolutely need to start um, stepping up and making a difference um, in order to capture sort of that mindset. Right. So I feel like a lot of people are held back by obviously the fear of failure and also fear of being judged by other people or fear of being inadequate. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like we all just, you know, no matter where we are, we just have to get started and go from there. Absolutely. And that fear of failure is so present in our society, but so many people fail. And I wish we were more open about our failures as a society. I wish that for every, you know, cheesy Instagram post or for every Facebook update saying that you got a fancy new job or a scholarship or that you were accepted to MIT, that there was a complimentary post that showed all the struggle and the hard work and the failure associated with that success. Right. So for us, what we can do is to share our highlights as well as the real stuff going on behind the scenes. And then as we're processing information from this world, uh, keep in mind that most other people are only sharing their highlights. Absolutely. You should always be aware that if if you're friends with somebody, especially if it's only through social media and all you see is just amazing post after amazing post of success after success, um, to realize that, that that's not the full picture. And also to have vulnerability in your own life in order to be a little bit more transparent about your own failures. And that's something that I'm working on personally as well. For sure. We'll all work on that together. And increasingly, as the years go by, our younger generations are only going to increase in terms of their influence and consumer power in society as well, which means that effective communication to younger people and empowering them right now are also really important and showing them that they need to be a part of this conversation and that they can make a difference starting now, personally and professionally. So given that you work with a lot of younger people, how do you think we can best get uh, sustainability messages across to them to actually engage them and inspire action? So young people overwhelmingly care about climate change and sustainability. And we know people care about these issues because we have so many people involved in engineers for a sustainable world. We're seeing so much interest for organizations like ours in order to do hands-on sustainability work. But young people have been so disenfranchised. We're told that we're apathetic. We're told that we don't know what we're talking about. And so the tension here is that we need to empower young people to take action on issues they care about. It's less about getting young people to care and more about connecting their interests to specific ongoing issues. So what we do at ESW is we give students an opportunity to have a real-world impact on environmental issues that matter to them most. So for example, if a student or young engineer cares about climate change, they can enroll in our Resilient Community Design Challenge program where we partner them with a local organization and they develop a solution that builds climate change resiliency. We also have a program where if a student is really passionate about their local community, they can enroll in Build Day and receive funding to do a one-day build in order to build a more sustainable community. I mean, if you want to do a solar project or a water project or wind or what have you, I mean, 
this is what you're able to do when you join an organization like Engineers for a Sustainable World. Mm. So it sounds like it's not at all about preaching or even convincing people to care, but just about uh, understanding what every person's interest is and then helping them connect that to real world issues that they can be a part of. Absolutely. And part of what you do personally is also to use data science as a tool to drive social change. What else do we need to know from data science? Because I feel like that's what a lot of us don't really understand. Um, That can help us more effectively drive social change today. I am personally a data geek because I think there's a lot of insights to be drawn from data science. So one of the things I'm working on in ESW is to quantify the impact we're having in the world. So if we have hundreds and hundreds of projects in ESW, what is it actually doing in the world? So being able to say how many kilowatts of energy we've saved or kilowatts of renewable energy we've created or pounds or tons of waste diverted from the waste stream, being able to put numbers um, to our impacts will help us see are we really having the greatest impact we could possibly be having? And these are some of the projects I'm super excited to be working on. Yeah. And what do you do with all that data? Is it mostly just interpreting um, how you're doing, how things can be improved, or to communicate what you're doing with the public? Primarily, we use this data internally as of right now. But as we get larger sets of data. As we're getting better at analyzing this data, we'll start producing it into reports for the public to sort of be transparent about the work we're doing within our chapters. And then also, especially to influence policy, they also like seeing these numbers as well, right? Yes. Most people are geeks and like seeing numbers. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. And also just stepping beyond engineering, what do you think we need most today to really accelerate towards a thriving planet? It has to be policy change. I mean, we need leaders who understand the serious threats from sustainability issues like climate change and aren't corrupted by payoffs from companies who care more about their own greed than creating a sustainable future. And there are great companies out there who take sustainability seriously, companies we've been proud to partner with but they don't yet have the same power as their traditional counterparts. So I am very much a strong proponent of policy change. Yeah, that's definitely a common theme on this podcast now from uh, people in various fields. I feel like a lot of people wanting to drive positive change are being stuck or being held back by policy. So that's an area we definitely have to work on. But the bright side is we do already have the solutions and know how to build a greener future. So we just have to work on that policy front. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Um, we would love to keep following you and supporting the work that you do. So what's next for Engineers for a Sustainable World and where can we follow you online? Yeah, I'm so excited to say that we're working on a totally revamped Projects Database Solutions Library, where ESW members um, will be able to upload their projects to this central database, and then anyone in the world will be able to download that project and replicate it in their own community and start to build a narrative about how our solutions change from community to community across the world. So to check that out, you can go to www.eswglobal.org and you can follow me personally on Twitter at the BM Bennett.
Before we go into our final five, I wanted to give you a discount code in case you're interested in our 2019 Green Dreamer planners. They feature our major Earth Awareness Days, 101 self-care reminders, gratitude lists, weekly simple suggested actions to take and cross off, minimalist weekly and monthly pages, extra bullet journal pages, and more. And again, each planner contributes to the planting of 50 trees through international nonprofit Eden Reforestation Projects. If this sounds like it'd be helpful to you and you want to support Reforestation and Green Dreamer Podcast, just head to greendreamer.com slash planners and use the discount code greendreamer for 10% off. Again, that's greendreamer.com slash planners and discount code greendreamer. For now, on to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? My favorite uh, Twitter account is Dr. Dennis Turch. He is a therapist that is the country's, if not world's, leading expert on compassion. And all his tweets give me pause and get me to be kinder to myself. Uh, What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I remind myself of how many other young people there are out there who also care about building a better world just like I do. What's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? I take care of my mental health so that I am able to put myself fully into my work. Yeah. And what do you do to take care of your mental health? If you don't mind me asking. Oh yeah. Like meditating and practicing self-compassion, practicing self-care, recognizing when I work too hard, I'm able to step back and take a break. And I'm so lucky that ESW is so cognizant of mental health that I'm in a very great place in order to do some of those things. Uh, What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? So it's actually flying less. I already don't drive, which I love. And now it's time to start uh, taking the train more to reduce some of those flying miles. But I'll reiterate that one of the best things we can do to live a more sustainable life is to engage in collective action. Mm -hmm. Uh, What makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? I'm most excited about the really vocal commitment millennials and Gen Zers have in tackling some of these big, messy sustainability challenges. Like I said before, this generation of engineers has to solve problems that no other generation has had to solve before. And seeing what I'm seeing in ESW, I am so confident that they can do it. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? We are strongest as a community. So never be afraid to ask for help or advice from other sustainability professionals and accept requests from help and advice from others. You never know when you'll need help yourself. And I volunteer to do that myself personally as well. Don't be afraid to ask for help or for advice, and at the same time, wherever you can, accept requests for help from others as well. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable takeaways from this interview and the full show notes with links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 112 for episode 112. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane, as well as on our new account at Green Dreamer Podcast. Finally, as we're wrapping up, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.